Happy Easter and welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Yes, it's still Easter. Easter Sunday only marks the beginning of the Easter season, which extends for 50 days beyond the celebration of the resurrection. I hope that you had a joyful Easter Sunday and that the message of hope we heard will nourish you into the future. Today's gospel is going to extend from the day when Jesus' disciples learned of his resurrection through a week later when he appears to them all, including Thomas. After Jesus' resurrection, life did not immediately return to normal, or even the new normal. They're still gathering together in in hiding, and I suppose, puzzling out what comes next. Our story begins. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers In the marks of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet who have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of our Lord. This was a confusing time for Jesus' disciples. They knew for a fact now that Jesus had been raised from the dead. But now what? What would it mean for their lives going forward? They had anticipated that Jesus would immediately institute God's kingdom on earth and that they would probably be key players in his regime. That vision of the future was not to be. Today's gospel shows how Jesus accomplished three things with his appearances to them. He inspired them, he encouraged them, and he empowered them. First, Jesus inspired them. The gospel literally says that he breathed on them. In the Greek in which the Bible was written, the words for spirit, life, and breath are all the same. The word is pneuma, as in pneumatic or air-filled tires. Jesus breathed life into them, just as a paramedic performing CPR may breathe life into a patient who has stopped breathing. 
You could just as well say, though, that he bestowed them with the Holy Spirit. We all feel moments of inspiration that can take many forms. You may listen to a TED Talk on the computer or a sermon in church and feel really inspired. When we're inspired, we're filled with an indefinable power that helps us see the world in a new way. Inspiration often comes to us a, a complete and pleasant surprise. It's like a breath of fresh air, literally. Fresher air than our lungs could ever inspire. Now, I don't know much about art, but often when I see great works of art in a museum, I feel inspired. I felt that way the first time I saw Vincent van Gogh's painting, Starry Night. Now, objectively, the painting consists of heavy swirls of yellow and white paint on an inky blue sky above a small, dark village with one twisted black tree-like object in the foreground. Now, I don't know what the painting means, but I know what it makes me feel. If Van Gogh communicated anything to me through this work of art, it is a spiritual knowledge. It may make me feel the way he felt when he painted it. I don't know. But it inspires me every time I look at it. Great art does that. In my Lutheran tradition, when we baptize a child, we say that they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the child looks the same. If it's an infant, it still can't talk. But we genuinely believe that the child has been changed in a spiritual way. That child's life will be altered as it continues to grow in faith and life. And that same Spirit works and flows among the members of that congregation that baptized the child and the whole Christian community. We are an inspired people. I can't tell you what Jesus' disciples felt when he breathed on them that day. I do know that using reason and looking for material proof of what Jesus rising from the dead meant didn't work. Seeing with their eyes and touching with their hands was not adequate to appreciate what had happened. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We are blessed when we see with our spiritual eyes. Jesus did something else when he was there with them. He encouraged them. He literally put courage in them. Through the entire ordeal of Jesus' arrest, trial, death, burial, and even his resurrection, one emotion prevailed. Fear. Their courage had failed them. Not that there wasn't good reason for their fear. Peter was so afraid that he denied Jesus in the garden. Most of his followers were nowhere to be found at the cross because they were afraid. And after his death, they went into hiding and stayed there. Now, there's no better explication of the word courage for me than the cowardly lion's speech in The Wizard of Oz. The lion says, courage. What makes a king out of a slave? Courage. What makes the flag on the mast to wave? Courage. What makes the elephant chain charge his trust in the misty mist or the dusky dust? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. What makes the finks the seventh wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? Courage. 
What makes the hot and tot so hot? What puts the ape in apricot? What do they got that I ain't got? Courage. And what did the disciples need that they didn't have? Courage. It's pretty clear to see that the ins their inspiration, though, leads to courage, eventually. How do we know they regained their courage? We need only look at the fate of the disciples in later life. Here's the traditional list of what happened to each one of them. Andrew preached in modern-day Georgia, Eastern Europe, and Bulgaria, and was crucified in Petri in Greece. Bartholomew spent time in India, crucified in Georgia. James, son of Alphaeus, was stoned and clubbed to death in Jerusalem. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded by Herod. John, son of Zebedee, was exiled to the land of Potmos and died a natural death in Ephesus. Matthew, or Levi, preached and was killed with an axe in Ethiopia. Simon Peter was put to death, crucified under Nero in Rome. Philip preached and was executed in, moder in modern eastern Turkey. Simon the Zealot became Bishop of Jerusalem, crucified. Thaddeus, Judas son of James, preached in Edessa and Mesopotamia, crucified. Thomas was a missionary in India, where he was killed with a spear. Matthias, Judas' replacement, spread the gospel into Syria and was stoned and beheaded. Not only did the disciples have courage to come out of hiding, they had courage to travel around the ancient world spreading the good news of Christ, no matter what the cross cost. And the cost was martyrdom. The courage of the disciples led to a third gift, empowerment. The combination of inspiration and encouragement led to their empowerment. They had the power to transform the course of human civilization, the power that outlasted the Herodian kingdom, the Roman Empire, and all the great powers and dynasties of the world. Now, there's one confusing statement that Jesus makes when he bestows the power and authority of the Holy Spirit on them. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, most people, myself included, when I read that, and even the authorities of the church at times in history, focus on the power to retain sins that Jesus gives. Think about it. Jesus is giving them the power over people's souls, whether they go to heaven or hell, whether they're saved or not. The church, in its darker moments in history, used this money, this power, excuse me, to extort money out of people. But you see, that's getting it backwards. Jesus' focus is on the power of forgiveness. He brought the power of forgiveness to all humankind. The disciples were to proclaim this message wherever they went. Jesus never withheld forgiveness. It was given before the fact. They had the power to retain sins, to refuse to forgive. But to my understanding, that is a power to be avoided, not exploited. The world was in need of forgiveness, not condemnation. As John 3.16 says, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Inspiration, encouragement, empowerment. That is the threefold promise of Easter that's given to us today. Now, I hope that you were inspired by the experience of Easter. I can remember many Easter mornings working, walking out of the church filled with a sense of renewal and hope, and I don't really know where it came from. It's always been a, one of the most inspiring moments in the church year for me, or in life, as that matter. It's not that I always learned something new or came up with any new insights that I didn't have the year before. I can only describe it as feeling as though I've been filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I know from talking to many other people that I'm not alone in that. Inspiration often is the result of us being gathered together in community. The Spirit flows among us as well as within us. Unfortunately for most of us this year, we weren't able to gather in physical community. But the Holy Spirit, I truly believe, can and did flow through social media. But let's all hope that next year we will be able to gather and share the Spirit in person. Now, we all need some encouragement right now. We've lived in fear for far too long. Like the disciples, we've been locked away for fear of an enemy. Our fear isn't of a brutal government, but of an invisible virus. But we have just heard that Jesus Christ demonstrated the power of God over death. I feel encouraged by the fact that death does not have ultimate dominion in our lives. We can have courage to meet the days ahead in confidence no matter what. And that courage gives us power. We have the power of medical knowledge to develop new vaccines to protect us and medications to heal us. We have the power to find ways to live together safely and happily and productively. But most of all, we have that power to forgive. Not only do we need God's forgiveness, we need each other's forgiveness. There are many things that seek to divide us today, but forgiveness is the ultimate power that can bring us back together again. Although we have the power to withhold forgiveness, that is the power that we will be wise to avoid. This Easter, open your soul to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged by God's love and be empowered to go forth and serve. Amen. Thank you for being with me on this second Sunday in Easter. May God bless you and keep you. May God fill you with grace and courage and give you peace. Amen.